Welcome to Bear and Balanced. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, how you feeling after another road loss? I'm okay. I mean, it's a uh, it was an interesting game. You know, it was the first half was horrendous. I mean, those yeah. numbers that the Vikings put up, it was like, you know, I was expecting a 50 burger. You know, I think that's what everyone was expecting to happen there. And then you know, as Coach Flus has shown, he, he's made some halftime adjustments, and they come on the second half. The defense tightens up, but but this time the offense did a little something in the second half, so that was nice to see this time. Yeah, it looked like Justin Jefferson was going to set every receiving record ever. I think like Flipper Anderson, maybe he has like yeah. some sort of he does uh, yeah. record, right? Yeah, I think he's going well, to yeah. top that. Like no one can cover this guy. Uh, Cousins hasn't let a ball drop uh, on the ground yet. Like it was just. Look, the Bears got absolutely just walloped. They went down to the mat, and I was like, "Well, this is it, right? This is this is exactly the worst nightmare here. You you, you travel to a division rival, and you just uh, you know it's it's a boat race, and you're you're not going to be able to compete. Uh, you don't have the horses to compete with uh, a, a uber superstar like Justin Jefferson, and they're going to run up the score, and it's going to be brutal. And as Bear fans, we all have Vikings fans in our life, and we're going to have to hear about it." Like that's, that's the worst part about losing to division rivals. It's not that you have a hatred for that team. It's that you have to listen to those people in your life that cheer for that team, right? That purple and gold team, that hideous colors that you would not change for any amount of money in the world to cheer for, but you have to listen to them and you have to see them wear those jerseys when you're out in the, out and about and you, eh, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to see them. Right. Um, but the Bears came back and they, like you said, they played better defense in the second half. They made some adjustments. Um, and they actually got something going at the end of the first half and carried that into the second half and played aggressive and played like they were the underdogs on the road, which is exactly what they didn't do against the Giants. And so it was nice to see an aggressive mentality here. And I think overall, the reason why the conversation feels a little bit brighter for the most part on social media and on the website and all that is that it, it did look like a team that was willing to fight and and go down swinging which is at least more entertaining and a lot more fun to cheer for i think we're all starting to see coach eberflus realize the type of team he has the type of talent he has i think you know again it's just a couple games but justin fields now has put decent back-to-back games together i mean it wasn't the best a couple weeks ago but it was still his best game of the season then of Mm -hmm. course this last game was his you know you could argue it might have been his best game of his career you know so Maybe they're starting to trust in him a little more, uh, but you also see that Coach Flus is starting to realize that he may have to take a few more chances. He can't just you know play it real close to the vest and 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 keep the games close and 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 hope his team pulls it out because the talent's not there. So take a couple chances here and there. Go for it on fourth down once in a while. Throw an onside kick in there. Go for two once in a while. I think that's the best way to do it, and I think the the players will appreciate that type of coaching from him. Yeah, I didn't hear this anywhere, but I'm I'm wondering if, you know, they the Bears score at the end of the first half, they bring it to 21 to 10, they go into the locker room and they're going to get the ball. And I, I wonder if uh there wasn't some conversation amongst the coaches or maybe even to the players like, "Hey, we're going to get the ball. You go down and score, and I'm going to reward you guys. We're going to do a surprise onside and and we're going to see if we can get this back and we're going to take the lead, right?" I I that wasn't mentioned. Because particularly since it wasn't recovered, I wonder if that was part of it. But I wonder if that was even the plan in the locker room, like this extra juice, this extra motivation, or if that 
decision happen, you know, while the, you know, like while the kickoff team was going onto the field and the special teams goes, Hey, I think we can pop one here. Um, because it was a pretty, they, they obviously saw something on film that guy had to recover and make a dive for the ball yeah. on that onside kick. So there was something on film. He, he was a step late to it. It was a very, um, good onside kick by Cairo Santos. It was um, really very close, uh, you know, split second away from the Bears being able to recover that. So there was something on film there that they saw. Um, I just don't know when, you know, they decided to pull that trigger, if there was a motivational aspect with it as well. I mean, that, that sounds like it could have been. I mean, that's something that the, that head coaches do at all levels. Right. You know, they always right. do stuff like that. And, and and like I said earlier, we have seen this team come out in the second half, and it's, you know, they make adjustments. That's one thing we didn't see a lot in previous regimes. It seems like they came out they came out flat. You know, this this team, whatever they're doing, and I know they have some adjustments sometimes are overrated because how much can you do in 20 minutes? You know, you're in there doing a quick thing. You're going over a, a couple of things you may have saw, but – Whatever this staff is doing, it's working, and I think that bodes well for the future. Absolutely. Well, let's get into the categories. So we start we start off every show with the Portillo's Trench Tribute. Portillo's is sponsoring this segment all year long with $100 gift cards. We sent out another one uh, just over the weekend, and so another happy Bears fan is going to be able to order some, some beef and uh, uh, cake shakes or whatever your fancy is. So make sure you're getting in your Portillo's player of the week. It can be a trench tribute. It can be just who you want to nominate as the, as your player of the week. It doesn't have to be on the trenches. You get brownie points, but no actual brownies, right? Like that, that's kind of the thing. Enter where you get your bears over uh, bears over beer, sure, and where you get your bears and balance, bear and balance. Um, if that's uh, on the website, uh, send us an email at two ndcitygridiron at gmail.com, um, or just make a comment on this YouTube uh, link, or hit us up on Twitter, and we will be able to contact you hopefully um, yeah. and uh, get your address, and we can send that out. So, um, and I'm all out of my T-Rex stamps that I had been using. So I have to go get more stamps. Uh, so these, these T-Rex stamps have been around forever. My wife never used them because she didn't want to put a T-Rex stamp on, on a, on a correspondence. I don't know why, uh, but, but the people that have got them can attest that I have put T-Rex stamps on the, on these cards. <laughs> That's whimsical. It's nice. You know, it's fun, so, right? I, mean, I, I can ask like you since, since you're in charge of, of the cards each week, do you feel like, like like Santa Claus when you're going to the mailbox and dropping these off because like for me like the, the only one I did I did the 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 big bonus one we did for when we we're trying to build a channel so I sent out the swag box yeah. and when I went to the FedEx place I'm like man this feels kind of cool I'm sending this guy you know at the, at, for his box of course was the, the the gift card but there was some I think a might have been a couple T-shirts in there a few other items and I'm like man this kind of cool I'm, I'm sending this stuff out and I'm spreading the Portillo's love I mean I think it's better than Santa Claus because really like it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's food, right? Like, I think that's what everybody wants is consumable gifts. So the, these are, these are great gift cards. I'm, yes, I do feel excited about it. Um, all I do is go to the mailbox though and, you know, have the postal carrier yeah. pick it up. But yeah, uh, you start off this week um, since I started off last week. So who would you like to give your trench tribute to? I was kind of like, like last week, kind of a tough week this week, but I kind of was going through, I was watching all the linemen, you know, watching all the D linemen and I kept coming back to the rookie Braxton Jones at left tackle. I just thought he's, he's just slowly getting better each week. You know, he still has some issues with the bull rush, but I thought he was good in a run game. His pass pro was better. Um, it seemed like he's adjusting to the bull rush a little better. I haven't had a chance to go back and, and do the sacks yet. 
Um, but, you know, he may have given up a little bit there, but it's not to the point where it was early, especially in preseason. In preseason, he had no anchor at all. You know, he, he's improving each week. A fifth round draft pick out of out of a small college. And he's, you know, he was kind of thrust into that spot and he kind of earned it. And, you know, he never gave it back. And I, I'm not ready to say he's going to be the long-term left tackle of the future. But through five games, man, he looks he looks like he's he's got a chance to be that. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how he manages the rest of the year. If he's able to show improvement, like you said, week in, week out, he looks like he's showing improvement. And then if he's able to, I mean, he's an older rookie, right? Like this isn't like the youngest guy in the world, but if he's able to take advantage of a full off season with the team, if he's able to maybe put on some more weight and continue to work on that technique. You know, what is he going to look like in year two? That's a very exciting story for me because if the bears are able to find key contributors at low salary that's how you win football in in the modern era is finding that excess value in contracts and so if he is a and even an average left tackle out of that draft position that's a that's a big win for chicago so uh yeah i I think we had to mention braxton jones that's a good one i'll just mention travis gibson um looked like he overtook uh uh, in terms of snap share uh, he was in the backfield, made a couple of big plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's looking more and more like uh, he's going to be the guy that's a you know the the fixture, the starter there. So I think that's really good. We've seen a real drop off from Robert Quinn in terms of his first handful of games. He has not looked very good, and so you know this is going to be Robert Quinn's last year in Chicago, one way or the other. I think we all kind of realize that, and so having Travis Gibson step up into uh, a role where it looks like he's going to be the, the the number one guy or the number one starter uh, and maybe with Dominique Robinson, right? Like those guys stepping up, taking more snaps is, is only a good thing. He made a couple of plays that I think deserve to be shouted out here. Yeah. It's uh, I think he looks pretty good. Like you mentioned that the, the snap share, this was, I think the first week he had more snaps than Alcon and Muhammad. I'm not sure what Muhammad does better than Gibson. I'm sure he's there because he knows the scheme better. He understands um, possibly maybe maybe he sets the edge better. I haven't really you know taken that deep of a look into it, but I want to see more more Travis. I want to see more Travis Gibson. I want to see more Dominic Robinson. You mentioned Quinn. I'll touch on him again later. Uh, but mm. uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, I want to see more Gibson. I think Gibson deserves it. I think he's looked really good. He's really from where he was, where he was drafted, the position he played, and then he was playing linebacker, and now he's back with his at, at defensive end. I think he's just uh, he's got some some upside still there. That's two fifth round picks that we highlighted right there, right? Oh, there so, it is. Yeah, so there you go. For Ryan Pace got the father guy though, so that's you got to give the that's flowers a fun. To I, Ryan Pace. Ryan there Pace is. is always good in those middle rounds, right? Yeah, he was, just he one was. of those guys where yep. you just like. You know, you let everybody else do the first part of the draft, and then you like, you know, make a call to the bullpen. And you're like, I need, I need pace uh, here for this fifth rounder. Uh, no, 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 you can't touch any future draft capital here. Just, I just want your opinion here for for the fourth and fifth rounds. Okay. Um, well, that's that. That's good. Um, I think that that again, that's how you win football in, in the modern era. So let's go to the tweet of the week, uh, Lester. What did you pull from Twitter this week? So Bears blog man who is at Tommy K underscore NFL draft. Um, he responded to the uh, to the Kirk Cousins passing chart, you know, and and you know what he tweeted was people are criticizing the Bears' defensive game plan yesterday, uh, but they did exactly what I would have done. They only allowed one completion over twenty yards down their best corner, Jalen Johnson. Of course, was injured. Uh, they wanted the Vikes to nickel and dime them all the way down the field, and that's that's kind of like the old school Tampa two mentality. You want to make the offense have to work to get their yards. And that's what it did, and it started off rough, man. Kirk Cousins, what, 17 of his first 17? 
dinking and dunking his way down there. You know, it looked like there were going to be some some records set. But in the second half, it kind of flipped a little bit. He wasn't quite as sharp and quite as accurate. There was the interception, of course. So in the moment watching the game, this is why I like doing this, the, the recap a day later. In the moment of the game, I'm like, man, well, this defense is horrendous. But the more I thought about it, and then I saw this tweet, I'm like, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. That's, I mean, what do you expect them to do? They have Jalen Jones starting at a corner undrafted rookie. Lamar Jackson's on the bench. Josh Blackwell's on the bench. A couple other undrafted free, uh, undrafted type players. You know, Kendall Vildor is your best corner now. You know, the rookie, uh, Kyler Gordon, he's still having his rookie issues. So what was the game plan you're supposed to do? I mean, you have no one to put out there. This is who you have. You have to play within their strengths. So playing a softer zone, keeping the ball in front of you, rallying to the football, that was probably the best game plan. Yeah, I think it's a bend but don't break mentality. But unfortunately, they broke a lot, right? And that was what was interesting going into the week was – one of the things that I noticed when I was trying to pull stats for the preview show was that the Vikings were really bad at third down conversions and they were really bad in the red zone. They they were not, bad at touchdown percentage in the red zone. Not on right? Sunday. <laughs> and not on Sunday. And those things yeah. happen, right? But if you are, a, and again, this is very basic football stuff, but if you're able to hold opponents out of the end zone, hold them to field goal attempts, um, you know, that takes four points off of that drive. Right. And then if you're able to convert on the other side of that, right, that it's basic football math, but that was really the path to victory here. Um, as I saw it going into the game was they have to continue that trend. They have to be able to get off the field when, when they get the Vikings in third down, they weren't able to do that. And they have to be able to force field goal attempts, um, when, when the Vikings are driving deep in the territory and they just weren't able to do that. Right. So they, they, they put four touchdowns on the board. They, they forced two field goal attempts, one at the end of the half, um, one after that, uh, onside kick, then the, you know, the rookie kicker, or I guess the new kicker, um, missed both of, of those field goal attempts. Right. So good things happen when you force field goal attempts or, or at least not touchdowns. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of understand the like, hey, we can't really match up here. So bend, but don't break. But when you break, you then, break, yeah. you know, th- things things don't look very good. But yeah, I, I understand. I understand where that tweet's coming from. And I don't think that you draw up 17 for 17. No. But <laughs> and, and 10 catches for uh, Justin Jefferson. But in the first half, but you know, whatever. Uh, my, my tweet this week is from Michael Gus, uh, who's at Michael Gus 57. This is from a thread. This was like a 15 thread. I saw that tweet. Right. Uh, but he, he pointed out something that I wanted to make sure we talked about. And he said, uh, coach Flus uh, was a bit better today as well. I feel he went from 1980s approach, uh, the last few weeks to a mid two thousands approach today. Loved the aggressiveness on the two point conversion and the onside. So we, we touched on the onside a little bit. He also did uh, choose to go for two to uh, try to bring it within three points. Again, that's a more modern thinking uh, to, to try to do that early. This was still third quarter, right? Yeah. A lot of traditional football people would say, nope, it's, it's too early to start thinking about math. You just take the points, right? He was already trying to be aggressive, going for two, trying to take advantage of his offense that was looking good in that moment. And, you know, you did see a little more aggressiveness kind of backed away there at the end, kind of felt like you were playing for the field goal there at the end a little bit. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a perfectly aggressive game or anything like that. But if if Coach Eberflus and that, I think that does radiate down to the rest of the players, but if he's able to to bring a more aggressive mentality and play the rest of the season, like, hey, man, like 
we're young, we're figuring it out and we're going to, we're going to play fast and loose. Uh, and, and we're going to, we're going to kind of come at you and, tr- and try to try to steal one. That's a lot more fun. You're going to learn a lot more about your team than if you're trying to like squeeze out these like close losses. I think you nailed it. That's, that's part of it is you learn more about your team, you know, playing really tight, not giving you guys chances to make plays. What are you really learning? This is why as Bears fans, those first few games was, was so frustrating with, you know, the way the offense was operating was like so conservative. It's like, what are you learning about Justin Fields in, in that situation? And, and I understand that the coaches, they don't care about that. They care about winning the game in front of them. That's all they want to do. And if they feel running the ball, you know, 75% of the time is, is the way to do it. That's what they're going to do, you know, damn the development because it's all about the win. But as fans, we want to see the development. We want to see those guys do that and playing a little looser that lets those guys make plays. And and we'll see that uh, we'll see what they can do now long term. But I think that's the best way to go. You won't always have that rope, right? Like you won't always have the benefit of the doubt to say like, hey, we went out there. We're trying stuff. You know, we're trying to figure us out. You do that in a couple of years and you lose games like that, people are going to run you out of town. But right now you have that ability to, to figure out what it is that you do well. So take advantage of that, use that. And you know, that there's that old phrase, like the, the best sword fighter in the world doesn't fear the second best sword fighter in the world. He fears the most unconventional um, because he doesn't know how to train for that, for that uh, matchup. That's what you have to do. You have to be unconventional. You have to try to steal wins from a different from a different way. And the Bears playing like underdogs would be that, right? Although I gotta say, the Vikings ran like three trick plays. So <laughs> who is scared here? Yeah. <laughs> like, they had to bring out the bag of tricks uh, too, which you know, I gotta say, I've never heard that that phrase before. Was that like from the Princess Bride or something? That was uh if it's not, it should be. It should no. be, yeah. I don't That's know. What it I, don't know where, like. I don't know where I, like I picked it. it up, but but it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like if you're the bet, not that the Vikings are the best or anything, but if you're like clearly better than your opponent, you're not worried because you you know how to beat them like that. But if they come out and they do something completely unconventional and you haven't trained for it, you're not expecting it. That's how you can get caught off guard. That's how you steal wins in the NFL when you're with the inferior talented team, right? So that, I just want to see more of that type of mentality and approach going forward. It's play fast. And, and I think the players buy into that play fast and lose. So exactly. Let's get into some stats. Uh, what number did you come up with this week for caught up in a numbers game? My number this week is the number 30. And that is the number of total snaps for Dante Pettis, wide receiver. He had 60% of the snaps. That's just way too much. He had two drops uh, this week. I think he had a drop last week. Yeah, he had the nice play in the rain. Okay, that was fluke. We all know who Dante Pettis is. He is a guy on his third or fourth team now. He hasn't been able to catch on and make an impact in where he's been. Can't catch on. You know, can't catch on exactly. <laughs> you were holding on to that one. You're just, I gotta go. So, I mean, the Bears today they activated Nikhil Harry, so they have some some wide receiver help coming. They do have Byron Pringle on IR, but I, I get it. The Bears want to do some three wide out stuff, so they have to put out a third receiver in Dante Pettis. But if he ain't it, you know, he ain't it. You know, play more two back stuff, play more carry blasting game, play more two tight end stuff. You don't have to play a three wide out set. If your third wide out is dropping the ball, he doesn't really bring anything to the table. I think with Harry now, he, he may take some, a couple weeks to ramp up, but I think he's 
he's a better fit for what the Bears want to do, especially if, if they do want to do a little more running. Plus, he's like a six foot five guy. You know, I'm not saying that he's going to go up and make all those plays that Pettis missed because, you know, Harry is, again, he's on his second team. He's a guy that is a failed first-round draft pick, you know. So he may not be the guy either, but we all know by now that Dante Pettis ain't the guy. So 30 snaps for him is just way too much. Yeah, I think Velas Jones coming back, you're going to start to get him more integrated into the offense. He had three snaps, Velas Jones did. He had three snaps. That's obviously going to go up. They're going to find – you know, he's going to ramp up his – his share, Nikhil Harry coming back, obviously he'll he'll be able to ramp up his share. I think Equinemius St. Brown has been pretty solid overall. I'm, I mean, he's not anything great, but I think he's you know held down his his role okay. Yep. And then you know, obviously you've got Darnell Mooney, um, who had that amazing catch, but is you know still waiting to really have a true breakout game um, for this season. But yeah, I. I, I mm. That's it's it's too much. I agree. Too much. Uh, let's uh, let's go to mine. Um, a lot of talk about the seventeen straight completions and for Kirk Cousins. That was a team record. So I wanted to go see what the team record was for the Chicago Bears. So what is your guess for the number of com- pass completions, consecutive pass completions in a single game in franchise history? Consecutive. I don't think it's seventeen. Person. Person and uh, number. Give me uh, a guess. Let's go fourteen consecutive. Okay. And then for the for the player, uh, it's got to be someone really obscure, is my guess. Uh, They're all obscure. Let's let's go let's go Kyle Orton. Okay, so you're pretty close. Okay, I, I'm going to give you like a, a B plus for this. All guess. right, I'll take it. So fifteen is the record. Fifteen and it was set by one Mr. Shane Matthews against Shane. New England in the year two thousand. So Shane Matthews. Shane Matthews drop on a pod. Gotta love it. Shane Matthews. Wow. That is yeah. that's that's unexpected. But that's that was that was the Bears was in, in the that era. Yeah. I didn't know he was in the record book. I thought we'd scrubbed him uh completely. <laughs> so anyway. Bears I, I, great. Shane Matthews right there. I, I I did notice. I think that Fields completed his last ten. Okay. Uh, so I mean, he he was he started to heat up there at the end because I think he was six for eleven at one point, um, and then it, he finished pretty good. He finished fifteen for twenty one. So maybe maybe not maybe not ten in a row. Maybe that's that's nine out of ten. But like he 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 was he was doing pretty well at the end. He was heating up. So uh, hopefully. Fields can take that record from the great Shane Matthews and that we can, we can revisit that some other time. <laughs> Hopefully you can take all the records from all the records. Yes. I want all the records, but this one he can do yeah. in a single game, right? He could, yeah. That's uh, so a good one. He, he can do that. Other. The career ones are going to take a little while. Yeah. So, all right, let's, uh, let's just, you know, segue into the fields report. So 15 of 21 for 208 yards, one touchdown, which, you know, Air, air yards on that touchdown were not particularly high, but hey, it counts. Uh, no interceptions, eight carries for 47 yards, did take two sacks. Uh, but otherwise, like overall, definitely his best game this year. Uh, you know, 255 yards combined there with the with the passing and the running. Uh, I mean, it's progress, right? Progress, yeah. I mean, that's all you can hope for. It's, you know, in the first half, he had three completions. You know, there's only three guys that cut balls. And it's like, like we said, this game was going to be a 50-burger. It looked like it was going to be out of control. And then the defense tightened up. Justin Fields came in and, you know, his second half numbers, I think it was like 13 or 15 in the second half overall, something like that. It was just a 
a nice game. And, and I didn't realize until I was, I was up late last night doing my stats and snap counts article, you know, that was Justin Fields. I think he had like a, a now pass rating is what it is. You know, it's, it's not the greatest stat, but it's a number. We all know what it is. You know, this was his first ever career game with a pass rating in triple digits. So, you know, like I said, arguably this could be his best game. And then of course you had that, you know, that run, a fantastic run. So there was uh there was some nice moments here. I mean, this, if the bears would have pulled this out, this would have been the Justin Fields game because, you know, he was really heating up and he had the, the great moment. Justin Fields breakout game, breakout yeah. game. Yeah. Cause it's not, I mean, it's not even close to 300 yards passing. Hey. Like let's not call it the Justin Hey, but Fields as far game. as bears fans, that would have been, that's the one. Yeah. I, the break. I think we call it a breakout game. I can't, yeah. I can't say it's the Justin Fields game. It's maybe the arrival game, but again, the, it didn't the original, which we, yeah, yeah well, hopefully like. replace repeatedly. <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah, I just I had a few notes underneath here. Uh, first drive, he misses Mooney for a touchdown. To me, that Mooney, I think they, I guess they talked about not reading the leverage the same way. That ball is clearly designed for him to break a couple steps earlier yep. and and to to uh, basically be designed right at the pylon. I don't. I don't know how that's not on Mooney, um, but like I'm not a I'm not a f- expert on quarterback wide receiver routes or anything. That looks like he cert- field certainly saw something where Mooney was going to. If Mooney does turn around those two steps earlier, that ball's on him. He catches it in stride. It's a touchdown, right? So that's unfortunate, especially for two guys that have spent so much time together and telling us that they you know spend all this time extra practicing and that they have a mind meld. They do not have a mind meld yet, right? So that's that's one thing. He missed him again a little later. It was a nice uh, nice pass breakup by Dirty Harry, um, but that ball probably needs to be out just a, a split second earlier. Mooney had to kind of slow up. He had his man beat. So that was unfortunate. Those, those two just aren't quite there yet. Um, really good pocket presence though. Yeah. Like, I mean, he does really have that, that extra sense there where he knows w- when somebody's coming, he's able to bail out. He's able to kind of spin out. Scrambles are pretty, pretty amazing. That run that you mentioned with the unfortunate call. Okay. I mean, maybe we should just deal with that here. Uh, the, the block in the back from, uh, Amir Smith Marset that was called there. I, I heard you, or I saw you on Twitter kind of come out and call it a BS call. I, I think it was a flop, but I also think that you can't put your hand on his back. Like you just, you just don't do it. And so to me, like, even though the, uh, the player flopped, Smith Marset cannot put himself in that position where he's yeah. where he's able to do that. Like he needs to have his his arm down. Um, you know, he needs to make sure that he's just shielding and whatever it is, but he can't put himself in that position to be taken advantage of that way. The letter of the law, I looked it up today because I was curious if there's a hand on the back, like you said, they're gonna call that illegal block in the back. Like you said, he was on the side, and if there was any force of the block made, the force was made with his front hand, which was on his chest. But what he had to do, like you said, is not have the hand behind him. If he would have came with the shoulder and just blasted him shoulder to shoulder, no call. But that he, the fact that he had the hand in the back and it looked like an illegal block in the back, I'm, I don't think he even probably had any any effort on there at all, no force at all. It's an unfortunate call, but you know that that's what happens. Perception is yeah. way more important in a moment like that than actual reality. You can't yeah. prove that he flopped like that. That's basically the end of it. He got flags from both directions, by the way. Yeah. Like he, the the back judge behind him and the the front judge that saw it, 
they they both threw the flag at the at the same time. So you see him coming in. Um, he was getting it either way because it looked bad, and yeah. you just can't put yourself in that position. So unfortunately, that takes off the board an incredible highlight that would have been something that we would have been wanting to replay over and over. We have those in Bears history where there's like phantom calls that we don't get to celebrate. You know that that Hester Knox return um, comes to mind, but I this this to me I, I understand it was. A flop, but it's also I think you have to put some blame on Marset uh, Smith Marset here. He has to be smarter for sure, and I'm sure next time that situation arises, he'll uh, he'll learn his lesson. And then I just wanted to highlight that fourth and four conversion. I thought that that was fantastic. He you know yeah. he, he was able to escape the pocket, rush for a first down. I was really impressed with that one. Um, overall, I, I think it was a, a really good progress game from Justin Fields. Um, if, if not, I don't think it's the arrival game to me because I, I want to see yeah. more, um, you know, I want to see, I want to see him connect to Mooney on that, on that play. I want to see him connect to Mooney on the other play, right? Like want to, you know, Mooney could have had a hundred yards and, and two touchdowns, um, w- with passes that just, you know, or at least mind meld a little bit better here. So that's where I'm at. Like uh, yeah. it was, it was a progress game. I, I want to see if he can take advantage of an average commander's defense on thursday night and see if he at home and see if he can kind of have that arrival at home that will be um that'll be what i'm looking for yeah i'm, I'm looking for the, the pocket projects to keep it up i mean you mentioned that and and i there were a few a few times where there was a free blitzer and, and that, that's that's the quarterback's job i mean the pass pro can only do so much there's sometimes there will be a free blitzer and you either got to find your hot route immediately or you got to know okay i, I gotta i have a, a path to take off run and Fields made the right decision on a couple of those. And I think that's, again, we're talking about progress from Fields. And I think his pocket presence picked up a little bit. He did take a couple sacks, you know, but it's going to happen. I mean, the pass pro is still a work in progress here, but, you know, he's going through his reads a little better. He's making the right decision. He talked about how comfortable he felt. He said this is probably the most comfortable he felt. And, you know, he's five weeks into the new scheme. I don't want to keep going back to that because we've seen other players, you know, be fine, you know, so early into a scheme. But, you know, it's he's he's going through it. He's he's a young player. He's what that was his 15th start in his career. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going through a little bit of an issue right now in Jacksonville. He's got some some bad games stacking on top. So young players quarter young quarterback struggle. That's that's what happens. Yeah, growth is not linear. I've yep. said that many, many times, but that's an important thing to keep in mind is that it is not a straight path wherever you're going. There's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Uh, you just hope that the overall trajectory, that you know, that long-term line that you draw, that's on the upward trajectory. That's what you're looking for. So, you know, there will likely be a setback game. That just is what it is. He's going to have a bad game at some point, but you want the overall trajectory to continue to point forward and point up. So, Uh, Let's take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we will talk about the three bears. All right, Lester, we're back. So let's talk about the three bears. So hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. Uh, Who did you identify for the hot bowl of porridge this week? For the spirit of of the hot bowl, it's something that went above and beyond. And I kept coming back to that catch by Darnell Mooney. You know, it was just such a fantastic catch. He went up you know, one-handed. It's, you know, it's it's up for the catch of the year category. It was such a big deal that even the mothership, SB Nation, did an article about that catch. You know, I, I put it on our site, kind of wanted to always do some crossover stuff. But the fact that they picked it up and they're like, hey, we have to write about this catch. 
I think that was a big deal. It's um, again, you said if he could have had a few more catches there, but that was just such a, a phenomenal play, individual play, individual individual effort from the from the five ten Mooney to go up there and get that with one hand, and then then to secure the catch on the way down to the ground, just a uh, one of the better catches in uh, in Bears history. Yeah, and actually, for those of you that are viewing on YouTube, I decided to bring uh, a display tonight. I brought one of the posters that Whiskey Ranger did for my championship belt series that featured Harlan Hill, who the great Harlan Hill had one of the best starts to any wide receiver career before he hurt his Achilles. And, uh, you know, in the 1950s, obviously, they didn't really know how to repair that. He did not come back particularly strong. Former, like, MVP from the wide receiver position in the 1950s for the Chicago Bears. A lot of people don't know him. He has some incredible highlight catches. Our friend Jack Silverstein tweeted out a video of one of those famous catches where he, he's extending out and kind of, it kind of bobbles and he was, he's able to corral it. And uh, it was brought up because of that Mooney catch. Um, and so much love for, for Mooney uh, to, to get, draw some comparisons to, you know, the great Harlan Hill, who That's your I guy. Yeah. his memory alive as much there as possible. Is. Because again, if you go back to Hill's statistics, just Ridiculous. real quick, yeah. Hill's statistics, if you extrapolate them out to modern era numbers of games, it's basically Randy Moss's first three years in the league. Like he was yeah. dominant. He was absolutely dominant player. And he was, you know, he, playing for the bears in the 1950s, right? It's not like he was playing with hall of fame quarterbacks. So um, just a, just a really cool player and, and and nice to get that little shout out from Mooney is one of the best catches in, in team history. And um, that was, it was really cool. It was, it was a cool catch. Uh, it was kind of an amazing stab. There's some, some good pictures of him, like, you know, fully extended and, you know, just you know, peak athleticism uh, moment there. That's a good one. I like that kind of identifying a moment. Um, I, I decided to reward the head football coach. Okay. Um, Matty Reflux, I think, deserves a little credit for being aggressive and kind of changing his philosophy here. I'd like, I want to see more of it. I want to see even more of it than he showed in this game moving forward. I already talked a little bit about it, but um, if this is who coach Iberflus can be in terms of changing his mentality and changing his approach, then that bodes well for him because if he, wasn't willing to do that and was going to just kind of stay the, you know, the milk toast coach that he had been in the first few weeks, I think it would have been a pretty short tenure. Right. So now at least if he's willing to um, adapt his approach and, and come out swinging a little bit, I think that that bodes well for him. And I think he needs to get some props here. That's a good call. I, I like the, I thought he had a nice game. He's, we talk about the growth. He's growing too. I mean, his, yeah. he's he's five games into his tenure. You know, he's learning how to do this stuff on the fly. You know, I'm sure they have a philosophy in in in, in tow how they're going to work. You know, everything each each game, each situation. But still, until that actually happens, you don't know how you're going to react. So it's you know him, uh, Luke Getzey as well. You know, same thing. So it's it's good to see the growth, and you know that goes all the way up to the up the chain to Ryan Poles too. He's learning on the fly. So we want to see his next offseason be a little different than what he did this last offseason. And we want to see improvement from the entire franchise going forward. Absolutely. You have to be able to give everybody space to improve. Sometimes they'll prove to you that they can't do that. Right. Yeah. And then and if that happens, then they, they need to be out the door. But there are uh you know this is the first time being a head coach for for Matty Flus. It's the first time being a GM for Ryan Poles. 
do you think that they're ready-made products? You know, were you the exact same worker at your, at your current job uh, now than you were on your first day? Like, I know I certainly was very different, you know, in, in my 13th year doing a job than I was in my first year, right? You have to evolve, you have to get better. Um, and if you don't, then you probably shouldn't have that job for very long. So I wanted to just acknowledge what I, what I saw is, is a bit of an inflection point um, for the Hague football coach. What about on the other side of it? Who do you want to identify as a cold bowl porridge it's got to be Robert Quinn. Uh, he played uh, 60 some or over the most percentage snaps of the D line. And he, uh, he did nothing. He didn't had no stats. Uh, I did rewatch the game and there were a couple I thought that he had a, he could have had a quarterback hit, but uh, you know, the official statistician didn't give it to him, but just bad. I mean, Christian Derisaw is a pretty good left tackle. He's, good. He's coming into his own and uh, he really owned Robert Quinn uh, on Sunday. If Quinn tried going outside, he would ride him past the pocket. If he tried to go inside, he would just bury him down the line. If he he has no really bull rush, but so that really wasn't something that that would work at all. But no matter what Robert Quinn tried, he had no success with it. And this has kind of been how he's had a season. I mean, yeah, he's been going up up against some pretty good left tackles. You know, let's be fair to him. He had Tunsil a couple weeks back. But, you know, Robert Quinn is making a ton of money. He, he's being paid like a, a premier playmaker in this game. And so far this season, he's not doing it. What makes it so frustrating is because you probably could have moved him in the offseason for something. Now what's his trade value? Who knows where it is now? Who knows if there's a team looking for him? But, you know, it's, it's just uh, frustrating to see he's not, uh, he's not playing up to par. You know, I, I think that the the common thinking there is that, you know, you probably needed to move him. I would assume that Ryan Poles made calls. And I think that in some level, you have to just assume that he wasn't getting any offer that made any sense for the team. And so yeah. I think it's it's very easy to say for all of us, and, and I'm sure I've, I've done it as well, is to say, hey, like, should have done this. Should have, should have, would have, could have, right? Well, could he have? That that's actually the question. Like, could he have actually moved him for anything that actually benefited the Bears, um, or was he more valuable to to play and mentor these young defensive ends? Like, I I I think it's easy to say it, and and I've probably said it to you. I also think that this it's incomplete information. I don't know that we know that there were offers on the table or anything like that. Um, let's let's assume that if there were offers, they weren't they weren't. It really wasn't enough. enough. And you know, real quick, I want to talk about how you talked about the mentorship. Yeah. And we have seen the thing with Dominic Robinson. I mean, Dominic right. Robinson has talked about Robert Quinn. You know, he does his move, you know, the, the, the cross chop. So, you know, the fact that they kept, let's let's say there was nothing on the table, but maybe a, a seventh rounder, maybe a sixth rounder. And the Bears thought, you know what? I value, like you said, the mentorship of him with these young players more than I do that seventh round draft pick. And, and that's a good point you made. I mean, that's, that's quite possible. Could it be what happened? Although I agree with you on the cold bull, though, because he, uh, that, especially on that 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 uh, offsides, uh, and he just stopped. Yeah, like, and I, he got a loaf. I'm sure on that play, and, and that's like a bad loaf because yeah. he just like put his head down. Then he assumed that the play was blown dead. There's live football happening, and it's a free play because of you. So the best thing that you can do is make that mistake hard and sack the quarterback, or you know go all across completely and just have it unabated to the quarterback and have the play blown dead. Worst thing you can do is take yourself out. Now they're playing eleven on ten, and they get a big play because you were loafing, 
right? Like that, that's the worst thing that can happen there. So I, that, that one really kind of irked me for mine. I thought I kind of figured you'd go with Dante Pettis or uh, Amir Smith Marset because they both had very visible bad games. And so I, I wrote both of them down to take the other <laughs> one, but I also did see that Robert Quinn had, had a rough one. I, I we already talked about Pettis. We talked about Smith Marset a little bit, but we didn't talk about the fumble at the end. Um, very weird moment there where he makes a, he makes the catch and makes a very nice move to get past the corner, uh, Dantzler, and then makes a split second decision that he is going to try to get three extra yards, maybe try to pick up a block and, and, and get seven or eight extra yards as opposed to just running out of bounds because he's still going to gain a couple yards running out of bounds. That that's the kind of the thing is, you know, he, he had three or four yards before Harrison Smith was going to push him out there. Made a selfish decision. Um, I, that's what he, his words after the game said it was a selfish decision and uh Dantzler turns around and, and rips the ball from his hands, um, forcing the fumble and effectively ending the game. That's a, that's a bad play. That's a bad play from, from a young player. Um, I thought that the comments from Justin Fields uh, afterwards were really great. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of built him back up. So he's going to be a hell of a player um, and that he, uh, you know, he's obviously feeling down right now. So it's my job to pick him up because I know how important he is to the team. Like that's real leader stuff on, on, uh, on Justin Fields part. So I was really happy to see that or hear that from, from Justin Fields. He wasn't, you know, showing outward anger towards, towards how that one ended. Uh, a lot of Bears fans had some pretty strong reactions, like in the moment. Um, I I don't think you drop a young player for making no. an aggressive mistake like this. I know it's a dumb mistake, but it's yeah. an aggressive mistake. And this is to me, um, how, when I reacted in the moment to Javon Wims throwing a punch um, and getting a penalty. Uh, and uh, really costing the Bears an opportunity to to win that game. My reaction was make a statement, make a stand, cut him. He's not worth. He's not worth it. The the juice is not worth the squeeze with him. Yep. Get him out of here. He's a bad apple. And I got a lot of flack for that from a lot of people. Like, you know, people that we work with. Like, no, you're wrong. You don't give up on players like this. Like, you know, it is what it is. That guy's a punk. He deserved it. And I'm like, absolutely not. That is dumb, dumb, dumb. This to me is is dumb in a different direction. It's dumb in a like I'm trying to make a play direction, and I I think that Amir Smith Marset could be part of this future. He could be someone who can develop into a contributor. And if you um, if you support him in this moment, I think that that goes a long ways to to that development. Yeah, I'm right there with you with the, the whims thing. You know, like you said, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. He just he's he is who he was. I mean, he's just never a very good player. He couldn't do much for you. So that should have been, you know, gone. This is a fumble. I mean, we saw last week with, with Velas Jones. He fumbled the punt, he muffed it, basically cost the Bears that any chance of coming back in that game. Young players make mistakes. It wasn't a it, like you said, it was a mistake out of aggressiveness. I'm sure he had it in his mind the whole week. I'm going against my former team. If I catch the ball, I'm going to show them what they what, what they're what they're missing out on. In hindsight, I'm sure you know, just get out of bounds, go down. You know, it was a, it was a nice play. You know, by the Vikings. You know, those guys. You know, are, are getting paid to make plays, and you know, so it was unfortunate. But yeah, I think he's. Uh, I still like his upside. I think he's got a chance. I'd rather heave those reps to Pettis 
or from Pettis to, to Marset. Oh, I'm give him to somebody. Pettis is just he is who he is. Get him the hell out of there. Pettis is a known else. known. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, that is the three bears segment for us this it's just week. right, my friend. We got to do it just right. Oh my God, you're right. That's okay. I'm so so excited about uh, Smith Marset there. All right. How about just right, Paul? What do you got? My just right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish where I start. I'm going back to the trenches, and I'm gonna go with uh, Tevin Jenkins. Okay. I thought he was solid. This was his first game now as a full time right guard because, of course, Lucas Patrick is filling in for Cody Whitehair. There was no, no flip-flopping going on. I, I watched this game again. And one thing I noticed is, like, we talk about Braxton Jones's fails at, at anchoring sometimes. There are some times where the pass play is happening and they're, the entire line is backwards and Tevin Jenkins is out in front because he is anchoring and he is stonewalling his man. And it's so, it's so obvious. It's just funny because, like, he's the only guy that didn't get moved. Now that can come and hurt you because sometimes you're too forward, you're too aggressively going up, and that got him a couple times in the game where the the we called it a push pull or a pull push. I forget what it was, but we called it something when I coached. It was you basically use his momentum against him, and we saw that happen against him a few times in the game. So he's learning right guard, but now he's going to have, in theory, three more games where he's not going to be touched, and hopefully, if everything works out right, he'll be the rest of the season there and the next 10 years at right guard for the bears. Cause I really like his upside there. You know, he's, he's still, he's still working on his, his issues, you know, but he's learning, he's growing, he's developing right in front of our eyes. And it's nice to see. Yeah. Part of it is when you're playing pass pro, it's a, it's a five, well, it's a six person, uh, you know, assignment in a lot of times, right. The running back has an assignment as well, but if you're, if you're aggressively pass setting and you should be, you know, creating that, that, that pocket, um, you know, where you should be a yard or two deep. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I, you know, it is in coordination with the guys next to you. And so there has to be some level of coordination where that allows you to pass off, uh, you know, games that are being played up front from the defensive lineman. And if so, if, if there's a lot of space in between you and the, and the player next to you, who you're sharing responsibilities with, that can lead to some, some issues too. So, um, I didn't particularly stare at the pass pro um, in my, in my rewatch uh, this time, but that sort of thing can lead to some trouble and some unbalanced uh, rushing. So it'll be something to keep, uh, keep an eye on for me. Um, Justin Fields. I know we talked a lot about him. I'm going to, I'm going to give uh, the just right to Justin Fields today, because to me, this is where I expected him. I expected this game. I don't think that the Vikings are a particularly good pass defense. I think they're a little stouter up front, so I wasn't surprised that they uh, that the Bears struggled to run the football like they did. Um, that that result wasn't particularly surprising. I was pretty happy that uh, Dave Montgomery got something going in the passing game. Uh, he he couldn't get anything going in the on the ground, but was able to be a pretty productive wide receiver. Uh, showed showed some pretty good juice in that, and you know, coming back from that injury, so he, he was able to to play well. But I thought overall. Fields did what you want. Um, he's, you know, he's this close to maybe making those bigger plays and 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 really putting pressure on the Vikings. And you know, again, he makes a couple of those throws. The Bears are winning. Like the the Bears are they're potentially gonna gonna steal one from the Vikings here. So he's getting there. Um, this this was a good step in the right direction, uh, and I think he deserves a little bit of credit there. Before we get out of here, 
The other thing I wanted to mention is Kyle Gordon, Kyler Gordon is continuing to have a rookie season, but showing that athleticism on that blocked field goal, I thought was fantastic. And this close to making a game changing pick six there. Um, I think that he, well, at least this close to making a tip, but I think that he was half a step away from, from being able to, to take that one the other way. Um, I wonder when that's going to happen because he is uber athletic um, and there's, there's the opportunity for him to really change games once it starts to click. And I was wondering if that was that moment, like I saw him and I was like, Oh, Oh, like just that close to maybe making a game changing play. That would have been really cool. So I wanted to give a little bit of like, uh, Hey, let's, let's keep watching Kyler Gordon. He's going to get there. He had like 10 tackles. You know I mean? He was around the ball, you know, I talked about earlier, part of it is this scheme they played. They wanted to keep things in front of them, but they still got to make a play. I make a tackle. And I thought there was, there was one sequence there uh, towards the end of the game where he made like a couple tackles in a row. And I'm like, man, if he does one more tackle, that's like, you know, this would have been like his drive. I mean, he really owned this drive and, you know, it didn't happen, but you know, it, it was nice. I think that field goal was actually credited Dominique Robinson. Oh, was funny. It? Oh, okay. I, I think towards the end, they, they switched it. It's uh they're both there. I mean, the fact that he was able to bend that edge and, and make that play, and you know, that's something that you know, not now teams are going to have to be cognizant of because you know the Bears blocked the field goal. So that's something that every you know the the, the Patriots, the, the Commanders are all going to have that in their mind. Hey, we got to make sure we watch this guy off the edge. We got to watch this guy in the middle. You know, make, tighten it up. And anytime you do something on special teams, you cause the other team you're playing to to waste time. You know, probably they have to have, now they have to worry about this because it's happening. The same with the, the trick plays, you have to think about it. So. It was good that they got in there, and uh, yeah, I like Gordon. That's a good uh, a good mention there. All right, now that's all now, we have, that's all we and have. we were going to get out of here. Uh, this is a condensed week, so this is going to be kind of hectic on the site. It's going to be kind of hectic uh, on the podcast channel and the video channel. We're going to do our best to bring everything that we possibly can, uh, hopefully on time. But you know, it's it's a condensed week. It's going to be tough. I believe you and I are going to plan to be back here on Friday. Um, to to talk about uh, the game against the Commanders, yeah. I'm going to be at the game. You I'm are. taking number one Bears fan to to her first uh, uh, Bears game, and so very excited about that. I'm planning on doing the 10 minute drill live with with Robert. We're going to try to have be in the stadium or at least at at the stadium and and do the do the 10 minute drill. I'm going to write some notes for myself, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll broadcast that live. Um, but yeah, there's just going to be a ton of stuff that's going to happen real fast. Uh, this week's going to be insane, uh, like usual. Anything you want to highlight before we get out of here? Yeah, like I said, so we're going to go Friday. So there'll be no T information conversation this week, which usually goes Fridays. Um, you know, Mason and Danny are going to actually do their bare bones. They're going to take the final injury reports on there. So they're also going to be live, which is going to be more of a pregame kind of thing. So we'll we'll figure out, we'll juggle the the times, we'll get everything figured out. You know, we'll see what we have to do there. And, you know, I'm not sure what, what Bill has going on with Bears banter. Um, I know uh, we talked to Taylor earlier for making a monster. She has something planned. But, again, it condensed week, man. It kind of tightens it up. But then next week's nice. We have extra time to get all our stuff in. Absolutely. It's all going to be a lot of fun because the Bears are going to beat the Commanders. Because I'm going to be there. So nice. I have to believe that. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get out of here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll stick around for the YouTube guys for some uh, Q&A. But until next time, bear down.